Welcome to a very special episode of Star Scavengers, coming off the heels of me and Jonah recently watching Rogue One, so we're like all hyped up on Star Wars right now. Yeah, <laughs> too much Star Wars. I'm like, I'm experiencing an overload. I'm I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> we should, yeah, we we should do like a a free or not. We should do a Rogue One like review thing in for, Lego form. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like we should talk about the the movie. I mean, it's not a Lego movie, but we should we should at least uh, mention it. I think we should. How much we did you should. love it? I loved two thirds of it. <laughs> two thirds of it until yeah. Uh, we won't talk spoilers, I guess, but um, it was. I I think it's fair to say we both very much enjoyed it. Who was your favorite yeah. character? Oh man, favorite! I went in loving Cassian, obviously, because Diego Luna, and <laughs> um, but I really I came out loving Bodhi Rook. I loved that character, and I oh man, so good. <laughs> the whole cast was so good, right? Um, yeah. Bodhi Rook was he was a surprise for me. I they, he was probably the one that was covered the least in like the marketing and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you didn't really know what you were gonna get, and I thought uh, the actor did such a great job. Um, coming out of it, I think. I'm going to say my favorite character, and it's kind of an easy answer, but was K2SO. He, uh, yeah. he just stole the show. They gave him all the best lines. They did. <laughs> and Cassian was great, too. Completely unexpected uh, as far as how he was portrayed. I was expecting a, a more squeaky clean rebel, I guess mm. you could say, and we didn't quite get that with him. So, uh, yeah, really, really good movie. For sure. Yeah, that that slap from K2SO to Cassian, <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but we unfortunately, uh, Freemaker Adventures isn't back yet. We hope uh, hope there will be an announcement soon. But we got an awesome opportunity to to interview the creators of Freemaker Adventures. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. So and they're like the they're like the George <laughs> Lucas of of uh lego star wars right yeah they are (laughs) the creators but yeah we got that opportunity so we we jumped on it and we have that interview and we are going to have that as our very special uh holiday time episode of star scavengers um and we will play that interview for you now So today we have the honor of interviewing interviewing the executive producers of our favorite Lego Star Wars TV show, Bob Roth and Bill Motts. Thank you guys for sh- joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. We're so excited. So Aaron and I really wanted to know what made you two want to explore a story about the first lightsaber? Hmm. <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know that there's a good answer. Uh... <laughs> we were, it was early in the development of the show, and uh, I, I don't remember where the initial, I remember having the initial idea and saying, what if it was about the very first lightsaber, and that was something that, you know, was, that was the MacGuffin of the series. Um, and then we, but then we were, I remember we were talking with Carrie Beck from mm-hmm. Lucasfilm. Yeah, who you guys have interviewed. Who, yes, yes. And also uh, Jason Kostler was mm-hmm. on, from Lego. From Lego, and we yeah, so we got talking about how fun it would be to sort of delve into some mythology, mm-hmm. and and I think it came up. I I I, I may even toss out like uh, is yeah, I don't suppose the first lightsabers off limits or something. You know, you know, not thinking we'd get it, and then some. And I and Leland Chi was also on the call. I think. Uh, and so anyway, we were having a conversation 
that sort of bubbled up like that's yeah maybe that's maybe a possibility uh and then we talked about how it could have been you know it it's it, it was all made of kyber crystal and it had been shattered and the pieces scattered mm-hmm. and uh so we began which lego liked because of the building aspect of having to rebuild something mm-hmm. and uh lucasfilm liked it because um it delved into a part of the the history that they haven't really touched anywhere else um it's interesting, you know, if you, I, this, I've seen this pop up online, that uh, if you look at the inside gatefold of the art of uh, The Force Awakens, you know, there, there is a painting there of super crude early uh, lightsabers. Uh, and we had no idea that that was being explored elsewhere in the company, nor did anybody we were talking to know about it. But it's, it's one of those <laughs> things that says, you know, here's an idea that's begging to be explored. Um, because it kept, it was popping up in different places, you know, mm-hmm. and even, uh, you know, with Rogue One, the exploration of Kyber uh, crystals being a, a part of it was sort of, it was just sort of in the, in the ether, ether of, uh, of the Star Wars universe. So it, it, w- I could not believe, I, I told Bob, <laughs> I said, there's just no way they're going to let us do that story. I just thought that it's too big of a story that they're going to let us tell that. Uh, and they did, and the more we talked about it, the more we all liked it, and I was ecstatic, so I was like, so are we saying this is the, this is the story of the, the lightsaber, and like, well, at least in the, in well, the, this is where our show's canon status is, uh, you know, always up non-canon status, yeah. I should say, it's like, you know, <laughs> you, you can take this or leave it if you, if you it's, really hate the yes. idea of this is the origin of yes. the it's canon it. paraphrase, or canon adjacent, or right. just whatever, canon Cannon fodder. Cannon like <laughs> diet cannon. <laughs> but anyway, it's at least a possibility of right. how the right. the lightsaber came to be. Right. Yeah, I remember when I saw the trailer and they had, you know, that was the introduction of it. And I I was basically like the emperor. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Like, <laughs> this is so interesting and fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for us, that is... An absolutely iconic image of the Star Wars universe. I mean, I was thinking about, you know, the uh, Return of Jedi had a poster. In fact, I'm staring at it right now in, in our, the Bob's guest house that we work out of, where it's just the lightsaber. the lightsaber. A pair of hands holding a lightsaber. And that's all you needed to know. Yeah, I mean, I, that was, I think, the initial, initial super, you know, zygote version of the idea of just what, what in the iconography of Star Wars can we explore? And and uh, we'd already had in the initial idea of the show ways to explore spaceships, but we needed a way to talk about lightsabers too. And Because um, that's, you know, spaceships and, and lightsabers, those are the two things that make Star Wars Star Wars. Well, no, there's plenty of other things that make Star Wars <laughs> Star Wars, but at least on the surface, <laughs> on the surface level, you see a lightsaber in a spaceship, you know what universe you're in. I actually came across something. I thought this would be funny to share with you guys. My son has recently discovered, so I don't have any kind of child locks on any of my video streaming services. Uh-huh. So my son has now discovered that he can go on and rent or purchase any movie he wants just by clicking yeah. a button. <laughs> and so, I want to get that lock going real fast. <laughs> yes, yes. I know. He's, he's four and that, yeah, he, he figured that out pretty quick. So yeah, I need to put those locks on, but um he was looking for like Christmas specials to watch and he rented a movie the other day. Um, this was just uh, two days ago that he rented this movie and it was called, 
I think it was called Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas. <laughs> and, and who else's name do I see pop up uh, but you, both of you? Oh, yeah, we, we did that. Here's what we have to say on this one. Um, a, a ton of super talented people worked on that. And at one point late in production, it, it kind of, you know, it, it just happens a lot on um, an animation. An animation. Just... Like, it, it hit a wall. And we were working on staff at Disney at the time, and uh, an executive who we were friendly with said, it'd be great if you guys could just poke your heads in, take a look at what they've got, sort of, you know, help them rejigger and, and, and you know, find, find their footing again. We spent, if we, I don't think we spent even a week, a full week working on the thing. Yeah. So, you know, and we did that. And, go, it, and they have a screening of it when it's all done. So, yeah, so, and we go and say, oh, this turned so out really nice. Yeah. So, look, they used a couple of the jokes we suggested. And, we and were, at the end, <laughs> we see our names, Big as Day, written by Bill Motz and Bob Ruth. And we're like, what? That's not really fair to the people who really generated that story. It was very so funny. So we, we actually said, you know, we didn't really deserve that credit. And the executive said, well, that's for all the, the ones where you did and you didn't get it. So we're like, okay, that's fair enough. So... <laughs> But yeah, that's that's. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm sure we laughed specifically at your jokes that you wrote. Yes, that's right. The good ones were ours. Yes, there we go. Because yes. <laughs> but speaking of Rogue One uh, that just came out, I'm sure you guys have both seen it already, if not multiple times. Maybe yes, mm-hmm. maybe twice already. Twice already. Going again Thursday. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> it worked out well with the. <laughs> I think it's interesting now with with all the focus right now on Kyber crystals. And you guys, you know, have that the main focus of your show as well was the search for these these kyber crystals or a kyber saber. Um, so I thought that was it's it's just really cool how this is all like there's elements of the kyber crystal going on right now in just about all the the media yeah. that's coming out with Star Wars. But um, with the movie, I were you guys unless I missed an Easter egg, were you guys? kind of crossing your fingers that there might have been some sort of a, a shout out to the Freemaker Adventures and like a background character or a, a name mentioned? Um, I mean, we, that would be too much to hope for. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, you always hope that that might happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were <laughs> we were pro- very excited for all our friends who were working on Rebels to see, mm-hmm. of course, all the, the Rebels Easter eggs. And, right. Um, and just as fans of Rebels. Yeah, it's just, yeah, exactly. So that that was really cool. Um, you know, it, it'll be tricky. I mean, who knows if they'll if the Freemakers will or will ever show up in the the Main sort of universe, canon yeah. universe. It, it would. The funny thing is, like, would the audience identify what they look like in human form? You'd have to work real hard. I think. Yeah, um, it'd be tricky. You'd have to really pay attention to like the costume. Although, like a Grobala might translate. Yeah, a that's more true. Easily. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, I. It would be a dream to see that come come to pass. I, I don't hold my breath. Um, I will burst into tears if that happens. It'll make me so happy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what I what I will say is I, I think that the Kyber Saber um, was essential to our pitch. Is one of the things you know we knew nothing about Rogue One at the time. We, we knew, knew nothing, nothing about, about the Force Awakens. Yeah. Otherwise, we would have said. No, no, no! We can't pitch scavengers. They've got that's the star of their next movie. But I yeah, think we those... we we thought we were so clever coming up with the scavenging thing. Oh, won't that be something? And then we and then find out like oh, there's a whole never mind. But you know, Carrie Beck has said to us that was one of the things that made her say no. That's this is the pitch. This is the show I want to do. That that uh, 
that they're scavengers like Ray's scavenger. Ray's a scavenger. This ties into the universe well. And, um, and, you know, we've never asked her about it, but I think, you know, we obviously knew nothing about Rogue One before we were working on the show. Um, she, Carrie, obviously did. Um, and I think I wouldn't be surprised if she'd say that, um, yeah, that the Kyber Saber was another thing that she saw, like, well, there's some good cross-pollination yeah. between what's going on in Rogue One and what's going on and in Crystals Rebels. had, yeah, Crystals had yeah. even threaded in suddenly into Rebels, too. Right, so. exactly. So, so, yeah. So, Ray's not a Freemaker? Well, <laughs> not as far as we know. Yeah. But then, you know... Nobody tells us nothing. We, we only get to... Take a tiny look at this little slice of the universe. So. You know what? If Ray's not a freemaker by blood, she's a freemaker spirit. In spirit. That's so let's right. Put it that way. Yeah, at heart. We'll find out. <laughs> I like to think that. When now, how how head scratched uh, would the audience be if it turned out that Ray's parents are are, are actually Z- yeah, it's it's Xander and uh, uh, Becky Smoochenbacher. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the whole the audience in the theaters would be like it's who what anyway that'd be hilarious and the four of us would be laughing and laughing yeah so. so we know that star wars rebels and star wars the clone wars had story or writing conferences did you and the other writers operate in the same way and what was that collaboration process like so so yes we did do we did do story conferences uh and we'd done sort of we dabbled with story conferences before but they were never as uh immersive and complete as these story conferences were um and it was it was a real joy because we had a great writing team. Uh, we should we should put a shout out for all of them: uh, Ron Crisillo and uh, Russ Carney, uh, our writing team; John Banky, James Bates, and David Shane. Um, these guys were all amazing writers, and uh, just to get their brains all in the same room for two days straight and just think about this universe and these characters and how these characters are going to bump around this universe. Um, you know, the way, the way it generally works is, uh, Bill and I will, we'll we'll come up with the season arc, you know, this is what's going to happen. And we'll say, you know, and that's working in concert with, uh, Carrie Beck and 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 Jason and and, and, Jason, Jake Blaze at Lego, uh, also, um, and Jermaine uh, Turner Turner at at, uh, at at Disney. Disney. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of come up with, we're going to do these episodes, you know, here's a 13 episode plan, um, but, you know, the, what happens in the episodes is pretty vague. Like, you know, we, I remember the first day we, we broke the first three episodes or, or we, over the course of the two. We broke the we, we had plans for the first three episodes to talk about. And then we're like, well, that's that's probably enough for now. Oh, I, I should say we wrote the first episode by ourselves just to sort of set the tone. Um, then we brought in all the other writers. Uh, so we got to the Cloud City episode and we're like, you know what, it, it's, we've only got a couple hours left before end of day. All we have on this is they go to Cloud City. This is probably too much to tackle at this point. And credit to our writers, they were all like, no, we're hungry. Let's do this. And they dove in <laughs> and in, it was it's lightning fast in two hours. We had a pretty complete uh, not all that different than what wound up on yeah. screen Cloud City episode. And I mean, and it was complex. You know, yeah. there's there's multiple things happening, and uh, uh, you know, it was really a farce in many respects. Yeah. And 
it's just so much fun. It's it's yeah. great when ideas are flying around the room that fast and and uh, people are building on what he, what you know one person's taking what the person next to them said and said oh and then this and then that mm-hmm. and then you know before you know it there's a well, complete three act episode. And at some point we knew we wanted to bring in some imperial officers mm-hmm. and. And we were sort of talking about, oh, we should have the, you know, we should have these. We these we had duo. named Durpin we, and Plumstriker. I don't even think Plumstriker existed at that point. We just had we had Durpin in our Bible, but Durpin was just going to be, he was going to be the the uh, Grand Moff of the Wheel, and he was just going to be somebody for the the kids to sort of you know work around. Like he was always going to be suspecting they were up to something, and they were going to you know outwit him. Um, it was. In our very first writers' meeting, where John Banky just was sort of riffing, saying, "If you're an imperial officer, why would you want to be promoted? The more you get promoted, the closer you get to Darth Vader. And when the first time you mess <laughs> up, he chokes you, and you're dead." And I think John even said, "He goes, meanwhile, the guy sitting in that that bay thing below, he's, he's just safe. fine. He's just no pushing buttons. Yeah. No one's hassling him." <laughs> and we just we all started laughing about that. that was such a funny and obvious idea. Like, yeah, why would you get promoted? Yeah. And, and then we so thought that, they yeah. were like, "That's a much funnier character than the Durpin we had envisioned." Um, yeah. So Durpin, and then we were like, "Well, you know, if you're going to have a guy like this who's avoiding being promoted." It'd be funny to have that sort of peppermint patty and uh, Marcy, Marcy relationship where the the subordinate is clearly much smarter and more more capable than the person she or he looks up to. But, but thinks the superior is somehow <laughs> this yeah. genius who's doing without it. any evidence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, so that, you know, yeah, like that that's something laugh. that grew completely out of the writers' meetings. Without the writers' meetings, we would have never had those characters. And and I adore Durpin and Bloomstrikers. So, yeah. Uh, and it's just silly things too, like it, it, when we were doing in story conference too. We were talking about, uh, you know, the maker of Zoe, and but how that was being, you know, we were sort of figuring out like, well, what should be the maybe it, you know, it should have this Wizard of Oz feel. And we we're talking about the, it should be this interesting landscape and an interesting place, and it's sort of this Oz. And we kept talking Oz, 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 and then <laughs> we're like, what should we call it? And then I think Carrie's like, Carrie said. You flip it. It's Zoe. That's the way we do it in Star Wars. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes, that is how it got its name. Yeah, the writers' meetings are oh, wow. some of my favorite favorite times on the show. There's so much. Yeah, fun. absolutely. They're exhausting. At the end of the day, you're like, I'm gonna have a drink so, and go to sleep. So but, spent. Yeah. But uh, and we even fun. had you know in those meetings uh, we had. Uh, the directing team from uh, Denmark, from mm-hmm. Will Film, that uh, does the you know the beautiful, stunning animation and mm-hmm. really breathes life into our scripts, and um, so we you know we would get their point of view and their ideas, and you know I mean it's just it was a really special creative mix, and it's that fun thing of we you know, we've certainly been in rooms where it doesn't kind of congeal and come together as something interesting special (laughs) yeah and uh it just seemed boy there was just magic about it Mm -hmm. and and we also knew like that we were on the right track of things because everyone in the room would finally go yes that's the thing that's how we should go about it that's Mm -hmm. what we should do yeah and it was fun we know we had debates even earlier on about when do we reveal nare uh there was some discussion about do we make that a mid-season thing 
and I think wisely made the decision and discussion that it should be the end of the first episode so that the mm-hmm. audience knows what's going on, even if the Freemakers some, don't. So it was tension. But then midway through, the Freemakers would figure out what was happening, and, um, and that would ratchet up and change everything. And I, We loved the fact that we actually got to tell a season-long story, a mm-hmm. season-long arc that... Uh, you know, things change for the Freemakers. They don't get to really go back home and just go back to life as, as normal. And have all that fun in their in their garage and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But speaking of Nari, I mean, what species is she? <laughs> Do you guys know? She is, uh, I'm going to call her uh, um, a Chilean. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna mash up Lee's name and call her a Chilean. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what I'm really saying there is Leland can answer that question. Yeah, I mean I, there was discussions about what her, yeah, all of that stuff, but I don't think we we all agreed to not necessarily pin it down at yeah. this point. So we love the fact that she had this shifting uh, face markings. I'm trying to remember, was that something we came up with, or was that from Doug Chang's group? I don't know. I, I don't remember. remember where the idea of her face shifting. Certainly, uh, certainly, Will film talked about how that would be such a cool visual. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's when you know things are really working. Where you look at it and you go, I can't remember who came up with that. Yeah. But yeah, I think you guys know that um, that. Lucasfilm provided uh, Doug Chang and his group to uh, speak into the show and doing some design for the show. And he, we even, uh, we played for a long time with what the Freemakers actually looked like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, boy, I just feel like there was hundreds of variations of, yeah. of what they looked like. Tons of them. And so we made the, the decision... Uh, uh, Carrie really under she was the one who guided this conversation. Well, she Carrie said Carrie had had the point of like you know we're we're used to seeing what a Star Wars character looks like in Lego form, right? We're and and Lego does a brilliant job of translating. Here's what these actors you know. Yeah, here's what, what Finn and Ray look like as minifigs. Yeah, here's what Luke. And Ray when you know what they look like in live action, you definitely can see their characteristics in. Many and she was things. like, we, we've never done it this direction. We've never come up with a Star Wars character in Lego where we don't know what, their what, the, human... what the human live-action equivalent would look like. So Doug and his group actually made um, some beautiful, beautiful paintings so, of, of Xander. Maybe someday and, someone will release. Yeah, that but... would be, I would love to get those out there someday. Some uh, concept artwork of uh, what the Freemakers would look like as human beings. And then once those were, and those were pretty quickly signed off on, um, then they were, those were shipped over to uh, the Lego group to, to and start. then they did a beautiful translation yeah. and and but then we all were like yes now now we, we know what what they are what is the, what is the design philosophy about their their uniforms and their clothes and you know and all their face, all of that their faces yeah Carrie Beck really smart if very you smart made that clear yes <laughs> um, and we need, we need like an art of. The Freemaker yeah, adventure book. Ever. Guys, I wish, I, I wish you that know, would from, happen. Yeah, because there is some gorgeous. Because <laughs> he also did Nare. Yeah. And uh, that that was pretty cool. Yeah. There were even some Grabalos out there. Oh, that's true. There were, there were some Grabalos. 
Oh, I need all this stuff. I know. And then, and then we also, uh, now the Lego team, they designed uh, initially the, the Star Scavenger and the Eclipse Spider. Right. Uh, there was input um, from all around, and so uh, the, the Eclipse Spider stayed pretty much the same from the inside. Yeah, that was one they nailed right from the um, The Star Scavenger went through a lot of... Um, Contortions. Contortions, yeah. I mean, because uh, even at one point it was named the Hammerhead because it sort of looked like a Hammerhead shark. Um, and then that didn't clear legal, and then we were, you know, uh, and then, then playing around. The Hammerhead ships show up in uh, Rebels. Oh, yeah, in Rebels, and so, yeah, so it's just... Um, <laughs> but it was kind of fun going through that process with, with Doug and his group. But then Doug and his... They did design... Uh, his group designed the uh, Blaze Maker... And, uh, and the Ranker's Fist. And the Ranker's Fist, yeah. And so there are, you know, live action versions of those ships out there as well. Yeah, which is amazing. Or, or at least draw art, art concept pieces. Yeah. And, you know, it was always amazing, too, because in both of these cases, like when we, <laughs> you know, we, we are. Went, went up to Lucasfilm uh, at the Presidio and we're meeting with uh, the design team there and they're showing us concept art and they're saying, what do you guys think? And we were just like, like why are you asking? Like, <laughs> you guys are the experts. Don't <laughs> yeah, ask us. We're going to yeah, mess it up. Yeah, just, you know. And then like, well, what do you see? So then, you, you know, you do have this discussion, but the whole time I'm thinking like, you guys... You guys tell us. You tell You're us. So much smarter than yeah, us. Yeah, this is ridiculous. And the same thing happened when we went to Billund, Denmark, to Lego headquarters, and the master builders there had presented us for the first time the what they call the sketch models, but they're actual built Lego ships. Yeah. Uh, and of you're, this, you know, you're holding the only Star Scavenger in existence in, existence. in your hand. Or the only, and your only thought is, is don't don't let this. me drop it. Please don't let me drop it. <laughs> and yeah, and it was. It was emotional, you know, for us because, uh, I mean, I grew up with Lego. Yeah. We grew up with Star Wars. I mean, these are the two of the the most important touchstones in our <laughs> in our childhood and then also our adult lives, to be yeah. honest. And we never grew up. Yeah, we never grew up. Why? Why should we? And um, so, yeah, it was very emotional to be handed by these master builders these ships that that came from our idea uh it was kind of overwhelming so you guys were you both big fans of lego previously before working on the show oh yeah yeah my my uh my um <laughs> growing up i my playroom was in the basement and uh on one wall i had all my kenner star wars toys uh and they lined the shelves on that wall and i'd pull them off and play with them and then on the other wall again with shelves were all my buckets of lego and uh you know i would i would i would this was before lego was you know making it was way before lego was making they just it was just stars. it was just bricks box, box of bricks yeah and you could you could get a police station with police officers but no characters you'd recognize um and i, I remember a few times being frustrated trying to make an x-wing for luke or some kind of cool spaceship and it was never I'm not a master builder, <laughs> but yeah, I, I did, I did love those. Those were the two toys that, you know, those were the two toy lines that informed my childhood. And, and, and to be honest, uh, you know, I, I think I learned to write from, 
playing with those those toys. Like I, I definitely learned how to construct new stories from playing with my my Kenner action figures because you know you can only have Luke blow up the Death Star so many times. You can only reenact the movie before you're like, all right, what do you do next? Yeah. And he went on and stuff. And then again, Lego just unlocks all your imagination so easily that you know you you build this set and then. You, you can play with it for a while, and then you can reconstruct it in any way you, you can envision. And, you know, it's all just creativity. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, I loved both Lego and Build It too. Um, yeah, I mean, I, my, my mom is uh, Danish, and so I would go visit uh, my grandmother and grandfather in, in Denmark and, uh, and just where, you know, and Denmark is just lego central so and uh, i boy is it ever yeah and i would having visited boy is it ever and i would just sit you know on uh my bed while visiting her with just a bucket of lego and i would just build and build and build and then of course after star wars came out then i was constantly building spaceships i you know i I can't tell you how many terrible versions of the x-wing i built Mm -hmm. before they actually you know made a kit yeah um you kids today have it so easy. I know. Mine just looked like a like a sixteen bit. <laughs> you know, kind it was of like a, yeah, green was and blue and yellow. Yeah, they <laughs> they have all these lovely Star Wars colors, um, but it was just a fun, fun way to kind of bring it together. So for us to have the opportunity to kind of uh, play in both sandboxes uh, was just the fulfillment. Dream come true, yeah, yeah, it was. But... That's awesome. And I know one of the things that I really love about this show and that Aaron and I both truly appreciate is how elements of the prequels are incorporated into the series, like the N1 Starfighter, which was, I like, I watched the episode during the weekend and I was, I just love that episode with Xander, (laughs) Xander's joyride. (laughs) And then there's the pod racing. Yeah. Yeah, And then the creatures as well. So, you know, most of the time they're made fun of or they're part of a joke, but you really incorporated them as part of the adventure. So was that something that you guys naturally did while creating the show (laughs) or was, was we're not prequel haters. Yeah. I mean, Uh, I, I understand people have their opinions, and, you know, I mean, obviously there's differences between the original uh, um, trilogy and the prequels, but um, just because they're different doesn't mean they're wrong, doesn't mean they're bad. Um, I think I think they're, you know, a bit of a victim of expectations that uh, Lucas never had any intention of, of fulfilling. He wanted to subvert the audience in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, I don't hate the prequels at all. They are Star Wars as much as, uh, anything else. Yeah, is. there's some, I mean, there's, there's some, some beautiful sequences in there. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. The pod race is... It's thrilling. It's insane. breathtaking. And I have to say, one of the proudest moments I have about this series is the pod race sequence, uh, in, in our seventh episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think it was amazing. Yeah, and we showed... When we did the uh, panel celebration, we showed it on a big screen, and you know, the show hadn't premiered there, so there was just a whole audience going, "What am I looking at?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I think you know, I mean, I, I think it's exciting, and there's uh, a sense of danger, and there's fun in it, and and I think in the prequels, I, I love Qui Gon Jinn, yeah. and I would I would love to see more about him, like mm-hmm. find out more about the, yeah. his story, and. Uh, I love 
you know, Bob knows this. Naboo uh, Starfighter is one of my absolute all-time favorite ships. I, I, when I saw the first sketch on that for the prequels, I, I just went crazy. I loved it. Yeah. And uh, so, Doug anyway, work again. What's that? Doug Chang's yeah, work again. Yeah, exactly. Um. So anyway, I. So yes, it came. It came very easy to because we love those films. Uh, so for us, well. they, we, it, it's not. It's not a, a separate thing. It's all part of a, a whole, mm-hmm. and you know. So and, we want to celebrate the whole. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, which of the Freemaker family do each of you relate with the most? That you feel like you're the most like. You <laughs> uh, start. I mean, I'm very curious to hear your answer on this. Well, we, we've talked about this often. Rowan and Xander are very much my kids, um, so. I probably identify with Cordy more than anybody else. Just a sort of ever exasperated, what am I going to do with you two knuckleheads? Um, so, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to be a Cordy, but I'm a Cordy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a Rowan so bad, but honestly, yeah. I'm a Cordy. <laughs> uh, boy, that's a good question. I... Um, oh, you're a Roger. I was, just, such a Roger. <laughs> I was gonna say, in some ways, I think I'm I'm Roger with incredible delusions of grandeur and have you know, uh, a little bit of too high of opinion of myself, I suppose. Yeah, and Roger cracks me up. I I think there's a bit of the Barney Fife in him. If you if you remember from the old Andy Griffin show, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> where he just. How he perceives his place in the world and how everyone else does is completely different, and I kind of think that's true of me too. (laughs) 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 But yeah, it's it's fun. You know, Rowan is very much modeled after uh, Bob's son Danny, Mm -hmm. and um, and. But the board, 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 board bit comes from Johnny. Actually, comes from my older his son, older son, actually, yeah. who actually did that thing, and we and Bob thought it was hilarious. He's like, "We've we've, we've got to put that. We got to put it in the show." Yeah. So I'm very happy that that exists. In the- <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm I'm a Cordy. Aaron's a Cordy. So. <laughs> Uh, I we just love Cordy, and I definitely want to dress up as Cordy for yes, Star Celebration. So I, I gotta make that happen. That is gonna be so great. I gotta do it. I cannot wait. <laughs> so, um, so what elements of you know, the, there are some elements uh, right now in current stories that are popping up in the comics and the novels and. And they're, you can see them popping and, and transferring from one place to another, like Maskanada and Hondo Naka showed up in the show. So what are some things that you want to see cross over from Freemakers to something like a comic book or a novel or even a movie? Mm. Oh, that's, that's a good question. Um, Grabala. I want to see Grabala. I want to see a Grabala <laughs> yes. out there. I want Grabala everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think just knowing Wick Cooper's in the background. Yeah, yes, I want Wick Cooper. Funny. Yeah, um, I want a Wick Cooper movie. Yeah, well, I don't know if I don't want a movie, him, but I, <laughs> I want to see him, you know, get his come up in some place. Yeah, um, and you know, I mean, gosh, how cool would it be to have like the Star Scavenger just kind of somewhere, you Fly know, by. you could see it and like there it goes, and that would be that'd be awesome. It was such a thrill to see the see, ghost in uh, yeah in uh, Rogue One. So. so seeing the Freemaker lab- logo on something would be yeah, awesome. That would be just great. Just even that little. Just 
a crate but... in the background. That would make me happy. <laughs> We're not super greedy. <laughs> we just good. want a little something. I think Durpin and Plume Striker would have been perfect for a Rogue One cameo. Exactly. I <laughs> and I gotta tell you, I, I actually, <laughs> I thought of, I thought of them actually, uh, when watching Rogue One and wondering, you know, Derp would be like, oh no, no I'm staying, I'm hanging, I'm getting completely away from this battle. <laughs> yeah. But he would be the poor guy who's like, he was first here and then he went there and it was like, they're, it's, they're following me and it's ruining my life. But Richard Kind is... <laughs> I don't want my nothing to become a something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and Richard Kind is just brilliant, mm-hmm. uh, as, as Durbin, and uh, I, I'm so pleased that uh, we had him in the it's show. It's such a pleasure when you write a Durbin line and you, you can hear it in your head and you're like, he's going to nail this in one take. And he does. He just comes in and you're like, I, I knew exactly what that yep, sounds like yep. coming out of his mouth and it's perfect. Yep, and Jeff Bennett uh, as, as Plume Striker just has that right amount of kind of earnestness, earnest frustration. <laughs> Yeah, I have to say, one of the things I'm most pleased about uh, on the show is the casting. I mean, yeah. from, from the voice directing with uh, Michael Donovan and just yes. the whole the whole cast with uh, Eugene and Vanessa and Nicholas and Matt and, uh, I mean, the whole, all the guest right. characters. It's just been... And, and the nice thing, you know, I, I feel like you hear this a lot in press tours and stuff, and I, I don't know if I always believe it. But I can tell you, in all honesty, we all really like each other. Yeah. And especially our main cast, they have become a family. Um, they they check in with each other. They hang out with each other. They socialize with each other. Um, and so the Freemaker family is not just something that exists in the show. It kind of exists beyond with all of us who are working on the show creatively and uh, and that extends to also, by the way, Michael Kramer. The music on the show, I tell you, I is just outstanding. I have tracks that he graciously sent us for our iPods. I listen to all the time, and I just feel they're so rich. And I, I, I love the score. Love collaborating with him. He's one of the most uh, artistically uh, giving and uh, creative people I we've ever worked with. So, yeah, it's it's been really, uh, working on the show has been a dream come true for us and a highlight, absolutely, for of our career. And we I don't think we've ever been more proud of anything we've ever done. And the fact that you guys are uh, sharing and preaching the gospel of Freemakers out there to the universe makes us very happy. Um, now available on Blu-ray. Yes, so if, yeah. if you're all looking for some kind of stocking stuffer or a holiday gift or a birthday gift, it's the it's perfect and in a nice rectangular shape that's easy to wrap. <laughs> so at the end of the show, Rowan is offered a job with the Rebellion. Yeah. And is that the next step for him and the family, or do you think there's another adventure waiting for them? There are so many adventures if we could talk about what might be ahead, um, I know there's not yet announcements, but I would say it would make a reasonable guess that that last moment is a good indicator of where things would be heading. If things so, were heading anywhere. If they were heading anywhere. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> so, because I, I, 
one of the things I really like about the show is that it continuously seems to change up their circumstance and the the adventure. So the the Freemakers, you know, they, they can't look back. The life for them is never going to be the same because of having been on this journey. Uh, and that will continue to be the case. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that frustrating? Well, Aren't we most frustrating people in the world? Well, if, <laughs> if Freemaker Adventures gets a second season, then the things we need to know are, will there be an appearance of Becky Smoochabacher, and will Grabala ever get his beachside resort? All right, so here's the thing, and I heard you guys talking with uh, Graham about your, you know, your musings on it, mm-hmm. and it was kind of fun because I was sort of smiling to myself about certain things. Um, and so what I would like for you to do is, you know, write down your predictions and then should a season two appear. Mm-hmm. Then let's regroup and see what you were right about and where what yeah. where things went differently. Even if even if there were to be a second season, we wouldn't tip our hand on anything. Because <laughs> where's, the, where's the fun of that? Yeah. We're not spoiling yeah, anything. Not spoiling. Nice try. Nice, nice try. But I do think it'd be fun to do a little, <laughs> little comparison. I, you know, maybe even fans of the podcast could, you know... Uh, Write in what what their predictions are, and then we'll see who uh, would be right should a season two come to pass. I like this homework assignment. I'm going to do this. <laughs> That's probably half the fun of you guys listening to Star Scavengers. It's just kind of laughing to yourselves as we're making all the wrong predictions about the upcoming episodes. It's it's happened yeah. a time or two. Time to, but. <laughs> But it's also times where there's been things where you guys have noticed a little something, whatever. I'm like, is that is that right? Let's go. They're like, oh darn it, they did catch that. I, I never noticed that. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's I don't know. It's it's fun to kind of see the show through your eyes. Um, it, it's because you know we obviously. Uh, live and breathe it and are very, very, very close to it. And I think that was one of the things that George Lucas talked about. Uh, his his regret. regret with Star Wars on one level is that he could never see it the way the fans see it because, mm-hmm. you know, it's his it's his baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it's fun, thanks to your podcast, for us to get a little glimpse at how the fans yeah. see the show. And it's very informative. Well, if you guys well, make more, we're so happy. If you guys yeah. make more episodes, we'll we'll make more episodes. We'll have that deal. <laughs> yeah, our, our, we're tied together on that, I suppose. But yeah, deal. Yeah. Really, truly hope that we see you guys at at Star Wars Celebration Orlando. I mean, that's just going to be an an awesome event where we're all Star fan, all Star Wars fans will gather together, and I hope there there'll be a Freemaker Adventures presence there. Oh, we we hope to be there. Um, try and stop us. We put a red red circle on the calendar, <laughs> but hopefully that comes with a plane ticket or a hotel or something. Anyway. Yeah. But Tracy's still on the line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, hi. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would. Uh, I yeah, we would love to to be there. I mean, we were in you know celebration Europe, and it was just amazing to, and again the 
the show had only just premiered in the U.S. Yeah, they'd only showed one episode. And they'd only shown one episode in uh, that morning. That morning in London, the morning of the panel, and so for the most part, these people had no idea what they were seeing. Uh, but still, it was really exciting to be able to interact with people and, and talk to fans. And um, uh, yeah, so we'd love to do that. At, we very at, much hope to be there. at Celebration Orlando. That would be fun. Even if we have to bike there, awesome. right, Bob? Yep. <laughs> we better start now. <laughs> we better leave now. We're very... Yeah, we gotta go, guys. We're very lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Good barbecue between here and there, so we really need some extra time. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much, Bob and Bill. This was a lot of fun. Thank it you. It was so much fun for us, too. And uh, I hope that this will be the, the first of you know, maybe a continuing conversation as things unfold. All right. We look forward to it. All right. All right, guys. Have a nice night. You too. Talk to you soon. And may the force force be with you and be a builder. And don't mess with the free makers. (laughs) Don't mess with the free makers. (laughs) 